Helmets and Heels, <laughs> built by DreamFinders Homes, Yippee. is presented by Underwood Jewelers and American Window Products on 1010XL. Now your hosts, Donna Murphy, Lauren Brooks, Hi. Amanda Borges, and Blythe Brumley. Welcome into Helmets and Heels, built by DreamFinders Homes. We had the lovely opportunity last week to be at the DreamFinders model in Durban Crossing. It was spectacular. I highly recommend that people go and check it out and uh, they may not get the spread that we get when we go. Sorry about it. But <laughs> it is it is a phenomenal home. Let's get right to it, ladies. Blythe, Amanda, and Lauren here with you along with Jordan DeArmond producing. Donna's taking tonight off, but she will be back with us in a few weeks. Let's get to it. The NFL is actually refunding or returning $723,000 of taxpayers' money for what they call something patriotism. What was the first Sponsored word? patriotism. Sponsored, thank you. All of a sudden I could think of supported, and I was like, that's not it. Sponsored patriotism. So different branches of the military are paying different teams around the league, different franchises, to promote their military branches. NFL's now looking back saying, after auditing, I don't really think that this is... The right way to go about it. We are going to refund this money. What do y'all think? Well, the NFL isn't really... They're coming out and saying it now, but only because they got caught. And I think that is where this is sort of like a PR move, where they're returning, what, $723,000. I think it dates back to 2012. Which is ridiculous, because wow. I think each team gets about $400,000 each year for promoting the military. And so, to me, returning $723,000 over that entire time span just seems like a big PR push, in my opinion. I think they got caught. I think they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. They're a business. They're allowed to do whatever they want. Um, but it just it just reeks of just just you're not you're not authentic if in these respects that we're paying to the military, which I think the majority of NFL fans can all agree with and all get behind. But it just has a little stinky feeling to it when there's money being pushed behind it. I don't like the fact that the military is paying the NFL who already makes an absurd amount of money to recognize them. And I understand how marketing works and I get you have to pay for that, but I just like have this issue with the military paying for that. And it, like you said, it, it now puts a bad taste in my mouth. Cause I think about the military appreciation days and how, you know, when you're a fan, you're like, wow, this is so great that the NFL honors them. And now this comes out and you're like, wait a second. Was that genuine at all? Like, did they really want to honor all of our men and women who fight for this country? Or was it because, oh, we got a check. So, hey, we're going to honor them this next game. And I don't think that, but it obviously has a part in it. And I hate that. And I wish Donna was here to talk on this topic, yeah. too. But uh, I have direct experience with this in my job where we put on a military appreciation night at a men's basketball game or another sport. And never in a million years would I ask for money from any military branch or service member to even attend the game. I instead went to a local bank, Sonovus Bank, and said, hey, are you guys interested in purchasing some tickets for the game so that way all of our military who want to attend or veterans can get in for free and they said absolutely and so they paid so that all those service people could get in and then we borrowed actually a giant flag from the jaguars because we don't have one that big it co basically covered the court and so it was a great celebration of this and so as i'm reading through the story i'm like i can't even imagine how i would have felt if 
let's say the Air Force even offered, hey, we'd like for you to push the fact that we're going through some recruitment processes right now. I would feel so dirty if I said, Mm -hmm. sure, I'm going to take your money. And yes, that is how marketing for corporations work. But the military should be in almost the same category as a nonprofit where they're sacrificing all of this for our freedom. Therefore, it should be given to them for free at all times. It it should never be a, oh, well, this team, this specific team is going to now charge for this specific promotion. No, it's the military. Because even a lot of the promotions, like the the surprise proposals or, oh, there's such and such family members back in town, like those were sponsored as well. And so that just reeks of just... Oh, I just feel so. I mean, you're, that you remember all those emotional times that you saw those moments, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, yeah. that's so great!" I, there was one at a Jaguar game that I was crying mm-hmm. because of the family reaction, seeing their their family member come back in town, and now you just feel like it was just bought and paid for, and it was just an ad spot, and now you're just ugh, it just reeks of just. Bleh. I'm okay if a company sponsors something like that. I agree with that. It's just the military. I don't, I don't they shouldn't know. have to pay. No, they they shouldn't have to pay. And the NFL, with all their power, they it, it, a lot of companies work in trade. Yeah. Why couldn't they just work in trade? Right. For, for the betterment of the country, for the betterment of its fans. Why does it always have to be about the dollar? What well, happens now with this? So they went through and now they will be sending that money back to each of those different branches that had paid for it. And I don't know exactly how the transaction part of it will work, but... It just makes you wonder, well, why don't they go back even farther to like 1980 or something like or 1950? Now, granted, I doubt that happened then, but why not go back to at least 2000 if if there is all of this funding that was inappropriately used is what I was or at least inappropriately received. The Falcons earned eight hundred and seventy nine thousand dollars. Right. The Falcons alone. Yeah. So nearly a million dollars for just them for, for one year. And then there, on the flip side, not just the NFL, but the Air Force had paid over $100 million to Dale Earnhardt over time to advertise on his car. And they finally said, okay, well, this isn't really working. And they cut the deal. Like, what in the world? Who, what marketing people decided that we need to, should spend that much money over a 10-year period government. of time on just, I know, <laughs> Both right? of these, <laughs> the NFL and the government, both were taking the money and spending the money. And right. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. I guess they're both at fault. They like, are. Why didn't they put their foot down and say, no, why should we have to pay for this? I mean, I get that they want to promote and maybe recruitment has been down over the past mm-hmm. you know, few years or whatnot, but there's got to be a better alternative than paying a company or spent using our taxpayer dollars to give a company you know, close to a million dollars to promote their initiatives. I, I just think that there's better ways to spend that money. But I mean, there, that, that could be said for everything, I think. Yeah, no, you're right. It, there's always a way that you should at least be able to track the return on investment or come close to doing that. You may not be able to track exactly because that's how advertising works, but at least come somewhat close to being able to track it. And I don't think that those military appreciations are necessarily encouraging people to sign up. It should simply just be to appreciate the ones that are already in. Well, the one right. there, there's one event that the Jaguars hold each, I, I want to say it's each season where they recruit, they, they have the new recruits do their initiation on the field. And I, I, I would imagine that that's sponsored as well because then other people would see it and say, oh, well, they're registering. Like, that sounds like a good idea. Maybe I should, you know. Sign up for the military, it's too. I would like to think that our team is better than all the others mm-hmm. and that they don't accept money for that. But since we don't have the breakdown, I'm, I can just be hopeful and optimistic. Looking at it from a different perspective, I mean, isn't the military a business, too? 
So technically, I know it's completely different than any other business. I mean, it's a part of the government, so I guess I would say no, it's no. not okay. not a business. And to me, it's so different. Even then, a nonprofit, I kind of lumped them together earlier, but a lot of people are not sacrificing their lives potentially oh, in nonprofits absolutely. and certainly not in, in businesses, yes. so to speak, for the greater good of our entire country. That's where it just and taxpayers are me. funding this. So I, I think right, that right. if they find out about something like this and it was sort of hidden away for a few years, that we have every right to, to ask for, for justification of why you spent this money and where is it going and where's the return. I think that's like any business. Very true. I mean, if I gave you $30,000, would you give me your water bottle? Yeah, absolutely. Take it. If I gave you $30,000, would you give me your jersey number? Um, well, I'd have to get one first and then we would have discussions, but it'd be up for negotiation. Well, I thought about you. Would you give up your jersey number for 30 grand? Yeah, I would. Even if, even if it had sentimental and special meaning to you. Well, I, I know where you're going with this. And if it had sentimental, it would really depend on the situation. And how much you get paid. So Jalen Ramsey wants James Samples number, number 23. Yep. Jalen wants a, it partially because he has a deal with Nike and mm-hmm. Air Jordans, or Michael Jordan's number was 23 too. But at the same time, it's got special meaning for him dating back to a number he's had for a long time, but James Sample, it also, it's his birthday date is 23 so I don't know. What do you think? It connects to his hometown. It, it connects does. to Sample's hometown, too. He didn't disclose why, yeah, right. but he was born on the 23rd, and it's his second year in the league, and, and why should he have to give it up? I don't think he should have to, but I think that Jalen feels like he has a little bit of ground to stand on because he would have a knee to stand on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, no. Um, he was a fifth, uh, fifth overall pick. And James Sample hasn't really done much. And so I'm I'm hoping that this isn't the case. But Jalen probably assumes he's going to be playing a lot this year. And who knows how much James Sample will be I think playing. Sample will play a lot. but I think he will too. But there's more unknown with Sample than there is with Jalen. Um, if you take the injury out of it. But for me, and I'm not an athlete, so athletes will completely disagree with me. A number is just a number. And I love... I love Miles Jack and his thinking because he says, I'm going to make this number my own. So I don't have a problem with it because it's me who will make the number. And I think that's true. It's so much bigger than, oh, what number are you? Oh, I'm 38. Oh, that's such a bad number. It's not. Go out there and do your job. Okay? Just get over it. Get over it. Some athletes, are the, the number means everything to them. And they will pay thousands oh, and thousands absolutely. of dollars to get it. But what happens if Sample isn't on, you know, God forbid he gets hurt in, in the middle of the season or something. And he's not able to play. And then his number is up for grabs at the end of the year. It, does that just go back in the pool for anybody to pick up? Or would Jalen, I guess, have first rights to it? How does that work? I think they form a relationship with the equipment manager and yeah. they kind of have conversations about that. There aren't any rights to jerseys. Well, because I was thinking, because with, like, um, with horse racing, if you give a horse a name and it doesn't do anything of significance, if it doesn't win you know, within five years, any race of significance, that name goes back into a bucket. Ah. And if the horse does do something of significance, like Secretariat or, you know, American Pharaoh winner of last year's uh, Triple Crown, then nobody can ever use those names again. So those names are essentially retired. So I wonder if it sort of works maybe like horse racing, where if you don't do anything of significance with that number, maybe it's just put back into the bucket for everybody to go from. I mean, I think it's, yeah, I think it's kind of yours to hold on to as long as you want it. And you, yeah, you would have to be cut before it becomes obviously available. I think 
I would look at someone offering me $30,000 and say, let me, come here. Come here, rookie. <laughs> come here, let you me, rook. Let me sit you down for a second <laughs> and explain to you that uh, we both have about, uh, you know, way more money than most people. And 30000 to me just really isn't worth me giving you my, my jersey it's number. It's jersey. I, I wouldn't give mine up. And, and whether You'd he offered me, more? even if he offered, no, it, it wouldn't matter. Like James Sample said, it doesn't matter how much he offers. Okay. Yeah. And that's how I would be. It doesn't matter how much you're offering. You're a rookie. I'm not. I'm keeping my number. Maybe next year we'll revisit if I if I don't have a great year. But no, yeah. I'm not I'm not giving it up. Great idea. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Speaking Just worry of about uh, bigger things right now, Jalen. Yes. Bigger exactly. things to worry about. Exactly. Speaking of uh, giving it up, Amanda wants to talk a little bit about Sierra. 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 I had it right the first time. <laughs> Sierra, when we come back, you're listening to Helmets and Heels, built by Dreamfinders Homes on 1010XL 92.5 FM. You're listening to Helmets and Heels, built by Dreamfinders Homes. Presented by Underwood Jewelers and American Window Products. On 1010XL, 92.5 FM. Are you trying to send a signal, Jordan, to this couple, Russell Wilson and Sierra? I am. I know you ain't in love with him, break up with him. Um, That certainly could be uh, taken that way if you look at this silver bombshell of a dress that Sierra wore. If you can call it a dress, it's, it's a little more... Um, revealing than I think what most women would wear. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend looking it up, especially if you like side boob because that is there for all to see. Here's what I did not know about this, though. Her price tag of her shoes, like the sticker is still on the bottom of it. Really? Yeah. I didn't even notice that part. Yeah. So I was what too you... busy looking at everything else. <laughs> you and everybody else, I'm sure. Oh, but yeah. Yeah, so we will get to that in just a minute. It is time for studs and duds. Our regular segment here on Helmets and Heels, built by Dreamfinders Homes. Blythe, let's start with you. Who is your stud of the week? I'm going to start out with the Jaguars. Nice. Because the team is holding a three-day event in the UK to train 19 to 24-year-olds um, with NFL professionals. So the coaching staff, um, Tony Baselli is going to go over there, and they're going to be teaching European players interested in playing American-style football from 19 to 24 years old, and I just think that's really awesome. Do you think they're also going to be looking around at talent and seeing, hey, which I one mean, of you would hope physical so. freaks because might Because that German player, Correct, yeah. uh, Moritz Boringa, and I know right. I did not pronounce that name right, was drafted by the Vikings um, mm-hmm. just this past year, and he was a German-born player. They right. worked out a guy from England, Harry Ennis, and then nothing ever happened with it, so... It was kind of cool, though, but on um, on Reddit, a 19-year-old boy had posted how about how he was going to the camp and how he was so excited for it, and the Jaguars were his second favorite team. He had started watching, I guess, the NFL when he was 15 years old, and he said no other sports really spoke to him except for American football, which I thought was cool because he's like a Swedish guy. You know what's funny, actually? That just reminded me, today, after all the interviews were done, we were done in the locker room, I go out to the practice field and I shoot a stand-up and make a video and put on my blog, whatever. Not a stand-up I, comedy. <laughs> no, no, no. Stand-up uh, me talking on camera. Anyway, I was walking out of the practice field and there was this guy walking out there and he was like, hey, do you know where I could find player personnel? And I'm like, are you supposed to be here? He's like, oh, I just wanted to give them my highlight tape. And I was like, oh, well, I'm not the right person to speak with about that, but you should uh, maybe go inside. But I just like you always hear about like I've seen on Twitter. There's a guy that sits outside. Who is it? One of the teams he sits outside the waiting Texans, I is think. It the Texans? Yeah. waiting for them to try him out. 
he was like holding up a cardboard sign. I think that yes. actually worked because another team picked him up. Yeah, Did I it work? that guy was no. That was a while ago. There's yeah. another one now that I've seen on Twitter. But regardless, this guy was walking around with like a DVD in his hand, and he wanted to. Give it to them to check out his I dig tape. that. I, I love when people do that. When I was 19, I worked at Costco, and we were not hiring. At that time, it was very hard to get a job at Costco just because they pay so well and they treat their employees so good. Um, but this guy came in every single day for over a month wow. asking for a job. And then they finally said, okay, we'll put you on carts. So he's outside pushing these huge Costco carts, you know, 20 a day or 20 every single time he comes in from the parking lot. And now he's a manager. Oh my god! So I, I thought that's, that's, that's awesome. That kind of work determination, I truly that's admire. A great story. It was really cool. Started from the bottom for real. pushing carts. <laughs> wow! All right, Amanda, who's your stud? My stud, as a collective unit, is the Tampa Bay Lightning because tonight is Game Six against the Penguins, and this is a must-win. They are trying to repeat, and I feel like this is a jinx because a lot of Media members are writing about this, how it's very rare to go back to the Stanley Cup finals for a second year in a row, and they're really close to doing that. This has been a really good series between them and the Penguins, so I honestly have no idea who's going to win. I'm going to pick the Lightning because I'm going to homer up on that. But I am a little nervous. It's game six, and it's at home, so I wish I, wish I could be there. But Was there any word coming out about the, the rule of the fans? You know, the, the fans have to wear, you know, home team colors the first couple rows. Was there any backlash or anything? Like I that? didn't hear anything, but also I think it's because they've done it before, so it wasn't like a, oh, my gosh, what are they doing? I think people kind of already knew because it had happened before. But no. I haven't. I'm I just wondering I if like away research. fans maybe showed up or something and got yeah, angry. No, I didn't. I would hope so. No, <laughs> but they're also not the only team that does that. So maybe mm-hmm. the Penguins started the same rule where in Pittsburgh you can't wear blue. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I should have looked that up. Speaking of Pittsburgh, my stud is Pitt running back James Connor. Mm-hmm. He announced yesterday that he's cancer free six months after being diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Wow. That is something six months, six months after. Yeah. Wow. So, really, it seems really quick. Yeah, that's, that's one of the, the what I'll call easier cancers to get over, I guess, or get through, um, get into remission. But still, that's a really fast turnaround. Yeah. So really happy for him and, and obviously for his family, because there's nothing worse than someone you love being diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a really quick second stud that. I just want to mention, since both of you ladies completely went Homerville, um, I'm going to just mention this one. Uh, Frank Frangie is my other stud tonight. And the main reason, if you don't follow him on Twitter, um, you should. But he has been restoring the San Susi Baseball Park for a while now and has put blood, sweat, and tears into it. And kids that have never had really the inclination or chance to play baseball are getting out there and getting to play on gorgeous fields. And, you know, some people would say, well, if you really want to play baseball, just go out and play on, you know, any field that's around. It's it's not like that. You know, mm-hmm. you you want to aspire to be in the big leagues. Well, you want your park to look as similar to those as you can. And you want to play on some really good fields and, and you can get injured if you don't if you're not on a good field. So I'm really proud of him since it means so much to him, but also to see the effect already that it's having on people mm-hmm. and the kids in that area. It's just it's something really, really special.
special. Baseball's tough because there's so much maintenance involved and there's so much equipment. It's not like basketball where you just need, you know, a slab of concrete and a ball and a hoop. Um, but neighborhood parks to me always hold a very soft spot because I grew up in a neighborhood park. Uh, most of the teams now are they're all traveling teams, so they really just sort sort of you know scalp the talent that's at these little neighborhood parks. And San Susi was one of the neighborhood parks back in the day for us that we always played against and we always enjoyed going over there. So it's really cool to see that that Frank is taking that initiative. More people should. Yeah, so totally cool. agree. It's awesome. So good job, Frank. And uh, now let's switch over and get to some duds. Blythe, since we know Amanda's dud, let's start with yours. Who is your dud? My dud is San Francisco TV sports anchor Gary Radnich. He was doing a broadcast, I think it was last night or the night before, and when he got to his final story, he started talking about uh, Space Jam 2, you know, super editorialized news piece. (laughs) And he looks over and he starts doing what, you know, I guess what would be called crosstalk with um, the news anchor. Her name was Catherine, Catherine Heenan. And she said, oh, I talked about that earlier in the show. And he got really awkward. He got really upset and started telling her that maybe she should stay in her lane. And would I go and I, would I cover, you know, some sort of traffic story or, or something else? And he starts going into a, a long. This is on he, TV. This is on TV, live on TV. Um, so instead of offering any kind of insight into Space Jam 2, why it's maybe uh, a, a good movie sequel to go after, after the original Space Jam with Michael Jordan, no, he just goes into the this long rant of stay in your lane, and she tries to have a rebuttal, and she says, well, the, you know, the producer put this on my card. She says it over and over again. The this producer, is on live TV. On live TV. It's funny. People. See, they played the oh. entire thing, and I want to see, Jordan, I want your opinion on this. They played the entire thing on the drill this morning, so I didn't watch it, but oh. I heard it all. I totally thought it was hysterical, the exchange between the two of them, and I didn't think, I thought it was really far funnier than it was ever intenser or heated at any point. What did you think when you heard it? Well, I, you know, I had seen or I had seen it slash heard it the day before and I had a different perspective on it because Dan said that happens really all the time and it seemed like they had that type of relationship where they were friends for a really long time so I didn't feel as awkward listening to it this morning but originally I was like cringing in my seat and maybe that's why because Dan really set it up and said you know it's it's something that does happen occasionally and as a sports broadcaster you're still working on your stuff right up until the very moment that Yes. You go on and you don't get to listen to what the news anchors are saying. Well, he probably yeah, could have talked about it, had a discussion about that's it. That's what I mean. Sure. Like, how many times have we talked we talk about something that we already talked about on Frangie's show? I never go, did you guys even listen to the Frangie show? We talked about that for like an hour. You guys obviously didn't listen. No, I just chime in and say, oh, yeah, we mentioned it. And this is what I said. But I also have this to add. Like, he easily could have been like, oh, that's cool. Well, here's what I have to say about it. I, that's I, I so think unprofessional. Listen, listen to it and, and kind of know both opinions okay. when you listen yeah, to it. I, mean, and I then, haven't heard it. And then form your own. Because I really, it, it, I can totally see what you're saying had I not heard it. Or listen to it with the lens that I, you know, was kind of listening to it through. I mean, you could say that, but then he also went online afterwards and said, oh, I was just playing. And then you go and you look for the video and the video is taken down everywhere because of copyright <gasps> notice. So oh. does, he, does he really, it, was he really playing around or did I mean, it seem like he was joking? I thought, <laughs> I thought he was serious. You did. And I thought I he did. was because he's like, she's a friend of my mom's. How do I get mad at her? And But he's saying it completely sarcastic. Like he, why should but, I get mad at her? Like, think, I'm slowly going insane. <laughs> I, I think 
he sounds like that's how he always is. It's like he's always really a dry kind of person. That's what how I took it. Oh, wow. But either way, it's a fun topic of discussion. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. (laughs) I think that's hysterical. All right, Amanda Borges. Well, let's get to your dud. Um, my dud was originally Sierra, but uh, I actually just stumbled upon a new story. Great. Um, cause I've talked so, about her side boob enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm over that. And actually my dud was her and Russell as a couple because of that. But if we're going to talk about that later, then I'll get into that. I'll save that. So apparently the Miami Marlins have really suffered with their ticket sales. And according to the Washington post, I just pulled this up. The answer to their box office woes is to start suing season ticket holders. And I'm really confused. It's the worst ownership in all sports, I think. Okay, it says since 2013, Miami has sued at least nine ticket holders and luxury suite owners, plus two stadium vendors. And they say they've backed. Oh, it's because they backed out of multi-year contracts. Well, that's understandable. If you sign a contract, you can't back out of it. Right. Just because the team isn't good, you can probably research more about it. As, as yeah, we... like I said, I literally just pulled this yeah. up. But the the headline is Miami Marlins in the bottom of the MLB for attendance, so they're suing their season ticket holders. I would think it'd be what? hysterical if you could sue your season ticket holders for not showing up. Oh, that yeah, that would yeah. be really funny. Like, <laughs> wait a minute, where the heck have you been? <laughs> I don't care that we're losing. You bought the seat. You're supposed to get, get in your the butt seat. in that seat. Uh, All right. My dot is the Mirrorfield Golf Course over in, I think, Scotland. They were removed from a host venue rotation for the British Open after members of the club voted against women joining. What year is this? If I were to ask you all what year the Masters allowed women in, you may not be able to recall. You'd probably think, well, it wasn't that long ago. And you're right. It was 2012. So but if the Masters, one of the most, you know, southern, most old school old boy network type of events or courses clubs can let women in come on Mirfield. Uh, the course is in scotland i want to say it's in scotland uh, yeah. I, that i i kind of get it I, I mean i don't agree with it but i get it just because the golf mentality is so traditional i mean my my grandfather used to say like women shouldn't be allowed to golf on Sundays. Oh, he would tell me no. that. And he would tell me that, oh, we got some women playing on the course today. He would not like it at all. So I can kind of see how a lot of people want to hold on to their traditions, especially those of an older generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with a, a game like golf, you know, golf and baseball, they're so traditional and they're so stuck in their ways that I don't know if maybe this is just somebody trying to not, is it, not allowing women in or is it they want to just keep it a men's club which i totally get they voted against letting any women join the club is it weird that i'm kind of okay with that yes like that's the men's club fine have your club i don't even want to be a part of it go for it oh my gosh this is a disaster (laughs) i mean would there be just so many more clubs that you could get i mean what why does every i don't know it's just if it's been if a men's an club and they want to keep it a men's club. And I want to be able to golf there then from golf time to time. Else. I want to be able to golf there. Why is it men only? Can you, hell uh, no. Do you have to be okay, a member to golf there? That. It's what it sounds like. Oh, well, if you have to be a member to golf the there, then I mean, I do get that. The British but... Open is correct in all of this by not letting the British Open happen. 
at this golf course because they're voting again. Well, they, have to pay, they, they have to pay those repercussions, but they still have the right to say if they want an exclusive club. And there, there are different dynamics whenever you have men and women together. And I think it's okay if, if guys want to have their own club, if girls want to have their own club. Yeah. I think that's okay. But I don't agree with not allowing them to play there. If they want to have their own special club, let them have a boys club. That's like even guys today casually don't want to golf with women. <clears throat> Frank Frangi um, <laughs> won't let me golf with him. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's fine. I don't want to anyway. It's really, it's okay. I mean, it's okay um, to have boys time. It's okay to have absolutely. girls time. Sure. Absolutely. But I'm you can't, totally fine with the all boys club. I'm I, totally you can't fine with say it. like the Masters and Augusta, you can't say women are not allowed. You you can't do that. That's not the way of the world. It's 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 one thing to have a a men's club at this golf course and a women's club at this golf course, but to say women are not at all allowed is to me illegal and it's discrimination. Okay, I do agree with that. <sighs> but is it a public or a private course? It was formed in seventeen seventy something. Oh goodness, probably yeah, a very, private course. It's very old. I'm sure it is private. I still think they can't. It's the Honorable Company of Edinburgh Golfers. Edinburgh, really, is how you pronounce it. It sounds private. It sounds private to me as well. Either way, I'm completely anti their decision. All right, we have to get to some more JAG stuff. And what sport events, sporting events, have left you feeling like that? We'll explain next. Just in the Helmets Neal's Built by Dream Vendors Homes on 10 to next on 92.5 FM. Helmets and Heels, built by DreamFinders Homes. Presented by Underwood Jewelers and American Window Products. On 1010XL, 92.5 FM. So ladies, last Tuesday, I get a text from someone who shall remain nameless to protect their anonymity uh-huh. that said, Jalen Ramsey got injured in practice today. And I thought, oh no. And wanted more information. Couldn't get any more information. That's all I knew. So when it went time for our show, I didn't have enough information to be able to say anything. And I couldn't confirm the report. So I didn't say a word. And then on Thursday, when it came out, I was like, oh, my gosh, it really was true. This is the worst thing ever. We cannot have our first overall draft pick two years in a row get injured. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey did get injured. It's a much different knee injury than what happened to Dante Fowler Jr. But when the news broke, did you feel like your expectations of the team for this whole season, the the whole record, did you feel like they changed or wavered? Were you emotionally affected? No. I mean, yes, because it's it's just it falls back on the Jaguars loser mentality as a as a fan that, you know, no matter how good things are going, something's going to happen that a wrench is just going to be thrown into the mix. Um, but then when you hear about the injury and you hear that it's somewhat minor, it's it's not an ACL. It's not something, you know, in baseball, Tommy John, where it's just, you know, RIP on the season. So I think that, that that's what lessened the blow a little bit for me. I mean, it's if you factor in the fact that it's May, it's it's only OTAs. He's going to have he had the surgery today. He's going to be back um, in time for training camp, hopefully. So it. it it doesn't really affect me that much as much as last year with Fowler. I think the idea of when you say the words uh, Jalen Ramsey is injured, you automatically are like, are you freaking kidding me? But then I spent 
hours researching what's so important about a meniscus. Do we really need it? What does it mean? And I know everything about ACLs and MCLs and meniscus tears and up and down and all of that. So I think once I researched that and talked to a couple other players um, and athletes in general about meniscus tears and things and the overall idea was, hey, um, I've had meniscus surgery and I walked out of surgery. Hey, um, I was out two weeks. Um, and there was someone else that was, hey, um, my surgery went wrong and I was on crutches for three months. So like it, it was generally, it's not a season ending injury. Um, so that made me feel better. But I think it's just because it was Jalen Ramsey. Um, not that we expected him to make such a huge difference in his rookie season. Yeah, he's going to be a fantastic player, but it's not like the season relied on him. Um, I think it was just the fact that it was, like you said, Lauren, again, like the first round draft pick that goes down again. Well, and then we also find out that the seventh round pick, Jonathan Woodard, mm-hmm. tears his Achilles mm-hmm. in practice. Yep. He's out for the entire season. Luke Boenko, we don't really know how long he's going to be out, offensive lineman. Um, he ruptured his labrum or tore his labrum, which I didn't even know existed in your hip. I didn't either. But it does. And I can't imagine that being a quick recovery. That's Mm-mm. your hip. Yeah. And anytime we're talking about muscles, not bones, we're talking about a longer recovery. Right. Lingering the, too. Right. And something that is difficult, especially your hip, I would think, I'm not certainly not a doctor, mm-hmm. but I'm going to guess that you can't really work that out while you're waiting for it to heal. Right. So, and probably same with your Achilles too. Like you just have to let it heal. And one thing I learned today, I learned, I learned a lot from Brian Sexton talking to him. So your Achilles heel muscle gets the least amount of blood of all the muscles in your body. So it almost is in like, he's at a state of necrosis wow. because of that. So therefore it also takes a, one of the longest periods to heal and will never be the same virtually because it's never going to get the same type of blood flow as say like your tricep, you know, muscle. So long story short, then you've also got Jeremy Parnell that injured his, was it a le- right, left or right hand? His l- left hand. Yeah. And he was in a cast today with a fracture in that hand. Yep. So you take all that on a team that hasn't, been able to hit each other yet right and that's what has made me take a step back and go all right we all need to literally hold our breath every single time they step on the field right (laughs) and i almost wanted to ask us that today like do you think about injuries when those whistles blow first thing to go in practice when they hear the two or three whistles do you think do you cognitively think to yourself i really hope that we don't have an injury today I, I wonder if that goes through his head just to, with this recent wave in addition to last year. I mean, you have to deal with it. In any professional sport, you have to deal with injuries. That's why it's so important to build your depth. And I think that for us to, to work ourselves up over injuries right now is sort of foolish just because we're, we're going to have training camp. We're going to have scrimmages. We're going to have preseason games. And I want to wait until the preseason games. If somebody gets hurt, then that's when I'll really be worrying. But now, knowing the timetables for a couple of these guys' returns, I'm not too worried about it. I think Woodard, he, he was a question mark to even make the final 53-man roster. So I'm not really worried about him. And the fact that the, both the team and the players sort of benefit from him going on IR because he doesn't have to go on the practice practice squad where you could get scooped up by another team potentially that the, I don't know there's there's just a certain anxiety that I will have and carry until the beginning of the season and then if they get hurt in contact you know whether it is the preseason or the beginning of the season that's one thing 
And I know Brady said yesterday on y'all's show that a lot of his injuries were non-contact. And mm-hmm. that's the part that honestly yeah. truly scares me because I feel like those are the worst ones almost than just the, okay, bone bruise or, and I don't say just because I had a bone bruise once and it was awful. I could barely walk. But I could almost feel like that with OTAs. I think psychologically it plays an effect on or or it has an effect on players because they're thinking well I don't have pads on I don't we're not going full force so maybe they're thinking in their head I don't want to get injured and that's what often causes more injuries because if you have your pads on you're going full speed you're thinking about the play you're thinking about the game you're thinking about the action you're not thinking oh don't get hurt because you'll, you'll see with a lot of guys that that have an ACL that's knocked out when they come back, they're so worried about the one ACL that they yeah. completely forget, and then they re-injure the or they injure the uh, the other ACL. So I think it's more maybe it's more mental now. It's definitely mental, and it's hard because we sit back and think, "You guys, it's just OTAs. Don't go so hard." No, no, no. It's it's not that simple. Most majority of the guys on the team are fighting for their jobs. So they're going out there full force every single day to prove, hey, I have what it takes to make this team. So to us, oh, it's just OTAs. But to a lot of guys, it's so much more than that. So much more. They want to be on this roster by the time training camp comes around. They want to be on this roster by the time preseason and the season starts. So every single day, they're going out there to fight for their job. So it's hard because every single player is one play away from an injury. That's just the way this sport is. That's what I was thinking, too, is that they're out there, a lot of them, pushing it more than say another guy too and absolutely you know you can watch some of the offensive linemen and and maybe Luke Jokel's actually pressing a little bit harder than you know Tyler Shatley let's say if Tyler feels comfortable hey I'm the only other center on this <laughs> <Yeah>. team I'm <laughs> gonna sit back and relax yeah. for the OTAs mm-hmm. over here or maybe I'll trip up uh Linder just kidding he wouldn't do that <laughs> 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 all right uh really quickly Things in sports that have made you go, oh, and the reason I'm making that noise, Draymond Green had a little incident the other night where his knee ended up in a spot where the sun don't shine, and (laughs) it makes Blythe wonder what sporting events have made you feel like uh, you've been kicked in the Adam's felt, right, (laughs) in in the area where... Yes, um, your I don't know if we could go. say that, but it'd be cool if we could. Yeah, no. Um, it'd be a lot cooler if you could. Um, all right, so what sporting moments have made you feel like that, like you just got kicked there? Oh, gosh. Um, definitely 2003 Red Sox-Yankees. Um, for me personally, I had watched every single game of that season, or not that season, but, well, I mean, most of the games of the season, but that series with a few friends, one in particular, my buddy Scott. And during game seven, um, you know, I'm 19 years old. I got all my friends over at my apartment. We're watching the game. And it's, you know, that's the famous game where Grady Little, the Red Sox manager, left Pedro Martinez, the starting pitcher, in for way too long. Yankees came back and tied it up. And then in the top of the 11th, I'm thinking, okay, we're good. We're fine. So my buddy Scott goes downstairs and I said, wait, where are you going? Where are you going? And he said, I'm just going downstairs to smoke a cigarette. I'll be right back. I said, all right, all right. Well, sure enough, bottom of the 11th, Aaron Boone steps up to the plate and he hits the home run and Scott runs back upstairs (laughs) and I am ready to (laughs) curse him out. But I just go on my way to my room. I pick up my cup, go into my room, lock the door and I just start crying. (laughs) So that game seven loss was probably the the worst kick in the stomach, I think, or kick in the you know what that I think I've ever had. And I still blame Scott today for that loss. 
And you're no longer she friends. All right, Amanda, we'll get to yours a little later as well as mine. Uh, Blythe, we're going to say goodbye to you right now. Have a wonderful weekend in Nashville, and Thank we will you. say hello. No problem. Hopefully, we'll still be alive. Please, please, yeah, stay safe in uh, in Jordan's old stomping grounds, and then we will say hello to Megan Pack, who works for First Tee of North Florida and used to golf at my alma mater. We will talk to her next. You're listening to Helmets and Heels, built by Dreamfinders Homes on Ten Ten XL ninety two point five FM. You're listening to Helmets and Heels, built by Dreamfinders Homes, presented by Underwood Jewelers and American Window Products on Ten Ten XL ninety two point five FM. Helmets and Heels live with you every Tuesday night from seven to nine PM. We are always having fun here at Ten Ten XL headquarters with Jordan oh, Diarman yeah. pumping out the hits, and we have a special guest tonight, Megan Pack. Megan, you have a long title, by the way. (laughs) Senior coordinator of coach training and delivery at the First Tee Home Office. So let's break down for everybody. That means that you've trained how many coaches? This Uh, this is about 3,000. Yeah, well, I'm part of a team that helps train them. I personally haven't trained them myself. I was going to say, you are busy. uh, No, that would be really busy. I am part of a team that helps train all these coaches. So the First Tee... You know, they're responsible for, you know, developing children through a program, life skills, core values, through utilizing golf. And so coaches had to be trained to be able to deliver that curriculum to the kids. And that's something that I take part of. Awesome. So awesome. you you got into it because you played golf at the University of Florida. Yes. And do you still play to this day? I do. I actually played last Saturday at, nice. out at TPC Sawgrass. It wasn't pretty, but really? uh, it was fun. <laughs> What's the toughest course you've ever played on? You know, it's actually really funny that you asked me that because the toughest course I've ever played on was Eugene Golf and Country Club. And the NCAAs are there right now, actually. Yes, oh. they are. So that is, I played there, uh, I don't even know when. You're making me date myself. <laughs> um, when I was 17, so I would say, you know, about nine years ago, um, I played in the U.S. Women's Amateur there. Wow. Awesome. And, I mean, I don't think it was the environment of that type of tournament, but the golf course itself is so hard. I mean, you missed a fairway there, and you're in three inches of rough, and you can't even find your golf ball. Oh my! I mean, it was a really tough golf course, but I enjoyed it. Are you allowed to cuss after something like that happens? I cuss in my head a lot. <laughs> yeah, I actually told my friends that the only place I ever cuss is on the golf course. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, that's a that's a good cathartic place for it. Yeah. So, how old were you when you started playing golf? Um, you know, I'm actually I started pretty late compared to a lot of other players. I started at like 11 years old. Oh wow! Yeah. So, but I started out really competitively. How did you get into it? Was it a family member? Was it someone you saw? Oh, yeah. My dad is a huge women's golf advocate. He Did he play? He loves playing. He's a golf fanatic. And around that time when I started, Sari Pack and Michelle Wee were also huge. Cool. Um, And both South Korean golfers, my dad was all like, oh, you need to get started too. And and I have a younger sister who also plays now. So um, it was something that we could all do and we could also play to this day. So it was just something that the three of us could enjoy. So That's awesome to be able to enter into a field and then be successful at it after really only what six years kind of before you got to college. Yeah, that 
Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> well, because I, I graduated high school at 17, so if you started at 11, I was doing the math, at least okay. for when I graduated. Six or seven yeah. years. So that's amazing. Who was your golf coach at Florida? Oh. Uh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Wait. They're not listening. Jan Dowling. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I, well, I, had, I went through three coach changes while oh, I was wow. there. Yeah. Um, so she left before I got recruited. And then Jan Dowling for the most of my college career. And then my senior year, I had Emily Bestel. So I had three coach changes and two assistant coach changes while I was there. So you threw me off guard there. But yeah, <laughs> Jan Dowling was. She used to be the assistant coach at Duke when she came over to Florida. So. Well, part of the reason why you're here is to promote a really awesome event through the first tee. So why don't you tell us about that? Right. So the first tee of North Florida is hosting this uh, event, Ladies Night Out, uh, where three guest speakers, Marty Evans, Nancy Henderson, and myself are guest panelists. And we're just there to answer some questions, help promote the uh, girls golf event there, and hopefully bring in some money for the first tee of North Florida girls golf program and um, connect some of the first seat participants, female participants, to uh, myself and Nancy and Marty and uh, help them connect with us and just kind of get to know the golf industry a little bit and our story and our successes in the golf industry. So it's June 16th from 6 to 8.30 at the World Golf Village, the Hall of Fame area. Mm-hmm. How can people register? It looks like the first tnorthflorida.org. Under yes. the events section? Yes. And are there still spaces available? Yes, plenty of spaces. Okay, up. perfect. <laughs> perfect. So we want people to head out to that. It sounds like it'll be a lot and of fun. ladies only, right? Yes. Okay. Dinner, wine, raffles, and door prizes. Hello. Why would you not want to go? Exactly. And uh, as far as it's, you can get eight guests in if you're a table sponsor, which is $1,000. Yes. Cool. I love it. All right. I want to get back to the game a little bit. When you're playing golf, to me, it's very mental. So what would you say is more difficult, the mental or the physical part? I would agree with you. It's definitely the mental part. Um, I mean, you can see it when you watch golf on TV. Every person's swing is totally different. I mean, no one's swing looks the exact same. So really, you can swing it any way you want, but as long as you can get the ball to go in the hole then that's you know that's really all it is so honestly it's the mental part that's really key here I mean it's just you yourself in the golf course and you can't blame anyone but yourself so mental game is definitely the most it's the hardest part I think speaking of that did you watch Jordan Spieth at the Masters and the famous yeah, meltdown yeah I did that was a little heartbreaking Aww. because obviously Jordan Spieth is like America's golden child and we all root for him and he's so young and and so sweet. And, yeah, and we really wanted him to get this back-to-back uh, win. And I, when we saw that, I was, <laughs> I was in my on my couch watching TV, just going, "Oh my god, oh my god!" I mean, because how many doves did he have? Was that three or two? He had uh, a double bogey on twelve, right? Wasn't that what he finished with? Yeah, he. I think that's. I know it's yeah. twelve that he su- suffered horribly. I know, it was on. just hard to watch. Poor guy. <laughs> It was, and it was crazy to me that people were actually enjoying any of it. I was with probably 10 other people watching and was shocked that people were like, all yeah. right. Well, oh, no. else it win. just made it fun because if he just, you know, 
easily won, then it, it would be great for him, but boring for maybe a casual golf fan watching, I think. But it was so sad to watch him lose like that. Yeah, yeah. I've been in issues before, have and you? it's not fun. Yeah. Speaking of, you're talking about how golfers all have different swings. Is there one golfer that you think, wow, their swing is just incredible, whether it's LPGA or PGA Tour? Um, I would say... I mean, I think Rory McIlroy has an amazing swing. I mean, he's just so solid. I mean, I just saw him um, this past weekend at the Players, and he, I mean, he just looks in really good shape. He's super strong now, and his swing looks very solid. And I think he has a really good swing. He's fun to watch. So yeah. are you saying, because before you kind of said that it doesn't really matter about the swing, and so I'm thinking about when I took a golf lesson and all they did was critique my swing. <laughs> and now I'm like, wait a second. Does that not even matter? Am I just destined to suck at golf forever? Yeah. Is it really not about the swing at all? I mean, some basic fundamentals do matter. Okay. 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 So there's <laughs> Those hope. that need to be in place. Okay. Um, but, you know, obviously mental is a huge part. But you, right. You need the physical part to back it up, too. <laughs> So what about female athletes that are looking to go pro? What is your advice for them? I would say they have to really be in love with the grind of it. Uh, I think that's what really separates those who make it and who don't make it. Because, you know, they all dream about this, you know, wonderful life of being a professional and you do shows and you model you know fancy new clothes but really you have to put in the work behind it and you have to be okay with making sacrifices you know sacrificing a social life and um, you know going out and practicing early in the morning working out early in the morning taking care of your nutrition and there's a lot of different parts to it and also that's just the the physical and the nutrition part, but then there's also the mental part. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of different things involved in that, and you just have to be okay with not maybe not just okay with it, but you know, be in love with that whole process. I love that. I think that should be on a T-shirt. Be in love with the grind, the grind. or yeah. fall in love with the grind, or yeah. stay in love with the grind, depending on what phase you're in of your yeah. life. You heard it here first, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that applies to any sport. Really? Oh, yeah. absolutely. That's For why sure. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't have to just be right. golf or, um, you know, it It really does. I think it also factors in with how competitive the individual is. And that is what can create that drive in the first place. Mm-hmm. Megan Pack joining us, Senior Coordinator of Coach Training and Delivery at the First Tee Home Office. So the event, Ladies Night Out, June 16th from 6 to 8.30. People can sign up at www.thefirsttnorthflorida.org under the events section. You will get to hear from Marty Evans, Nancy Henderson, and Megan Pack, who is joining us now. All right, so let's talk about professional golfers that you've gotten to interact with. Are there any ones that we would call famous who you've gotten to either play with or just talk to and play golf with um, or talk to? <laughs> Um, there was one that I talked to briefly, and uh, that was Phil Mickelson. Lefty. Yeah. So he has an event every year at Sawgrass called Birdies for the Brave, um, just a, <clears throat> an event helping military families. And so um, a bunch of celebrities come, play a scramble, and every birdie that they make you know, is money towards military families. And then meanwhile, his wife is hosting a an extravagant baby shower for a bunch of pregnant women whose husbands are overseas. 
So it's just a really overall amazing event, and um, I got a chance to be kind of the the camera woman, I guess. Not really. I just kind of tagged along with a friend who was there, and um, and it, because it was a military event, they had a Black Hawk helicopter, you know, right there in, at, at Sawgrass. And so I got in line because I wanted to, <laughs> to sit in the helicopter. And I'm sitting in the helicopter, and I thought, this was just amazing. This is the highlight of my day. And then Bill Milkelson just pops in his head around the corner and goes, are you about to take off? And he just <laughs> joked around with me, and I thought, oh, my God, this is so cool. I jumped out of the helicopter, shook his hand, and said I was a big fan of his. And it was just a really brief interaction, but I thought that was pretty cool. That's awesome that you were able to calmly talk to him. Oh, it yeah. wasn't that calm. I don't think I breathed at all the entire time, but it was it was fun. Oh my gosh, Michael, I'm a huge fan. I really appreciate your call here. I think you're great. I love what you're doing here today. Thank you very much. Okay, see ya. Yeah. Okay. I think that's exactly how it went. I just explained it really calmly. What about when you're watching a tournament? So I picture you with the players and you're watching. Does it make you want to play, or can you easily sit back and be a fan? You know... Sometimes if I'm watching like an LPGA event and I see players that I've played college golf with or junior golf with, sometimes I think like, oh, I could be there. You know, I could I could be playing. Um, But then I just kind of come back down to earth and realize, you know, I am not in love with that grind or that process you know I like to know when my next paycheck is coming mm-hmm. <laughs> you know golf is one of those sports this where or actually I think it might be the only sport where you don't get paid if you don't perform um, and that would be really hard for me mm-hmm. so that's understandable I think we all yeah. get to a certain stage of life where it's not necessarily the easier way you know the easier route to take but it is a much more stable route And yeah, I can only imagine what that's like um, going to bed before a big event and knowing that (laughs) if you don't make the cut, you just played two days for free. Crazy. Love it. All right. Well, people sign up www.thefirsttnorthflorida.org under the events section. Again, it is June 16th from 6 to 8.30 p.m. Ladies Night Out, where 100% of the proceeds will benefit the LPGA USGA Girls Golf Program at the First Tee of North Florida. What an awesome event. And I know you will have a blast getting to talk to everybody, right, Megan? Yes. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining yeah, us. Thanks, Megan. Thank you for having me. And Maybe I'll come find you for a golf lesson and you can critique my swing. Okay. Just promise to be nice because it's not very good. <laughs> I promise I'll be nice. Okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I would highly recommend that Amanda goes, I can't hit the ball to save my life. So there's that. I can at least hit it. Yeah. That, when I don't hey, whiff, that is. That's way better. Eli Apple's mom is in the news. We will get to her coming up next. You're listening to Helmets and Heels, built by Dream Finders Homes on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Girls just want to talk football. More Helmets and Heels, built by Dream Finders Homes. Presented by Underwood Jewelers and American Window Products. Now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jordan, are you a Chase Rice fan? Nope, but I'm a uh, Gonna be one because it's one of Amanda's favorite artists. Ah, I think Chase Rice is phenomenal, but I'm also biased because he played football at North Carolina. Okay, so he has like that, also that like football element to yeah. him, right? Which I I love the the melding of those two things. And uh, he actually his dad passed away when he was 
in his late teens, and he went through a really rough patch where then his freshman year in college, he tore his ACL, and he just had a, a rough go of it for a while. And uh, he said he was in the gym one time rehabbing from his knee injury, and he had his head down but his eyes up. And from that moment, that just stuck in his head, H-D-E-U, head down, eyes up. Wow. So now, oh, that's cool. All the HDEU. You, anytime he wears a hat, it's usually HDEU or he'll wear a shirt, HDEU. And that's what it means. Head down, eyes up. You will get through whatever you're going through. And it, uh, it pays to work your butt off. I can so. respect anybody that's who has that, that out look yeah. on life. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. I, I'm a huge Chase Rice fan. Not just musically. I, I really, I feel like if I met him, I would have a two hour long conversation about just life in general because I think he does it country music the right way. He looks like he has a blast on tour. And anyway, that's a little, little bit of information you may not have known about Chase Rice. No, I like that. Um, so Eli Apple's mama mm-hmm. has a lot of interesting tweets that she sends out. And recently was now hired to be an NFL countdown contributor. Mm-hmm. Do you like this hire? I think I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. What do you think, Amanda? I think it's too much. I like her as a social media personality. I think she has a great platform to stand on. Um, she has awesome things to say she is very positive um and she's fun to listen to i just and we've talked about some of her tweets before yeah um i just i i don't know it's not that i have a problem with it but when i first read that i was like huh why i mean they have her on all the time already to weigh in on certain things so i guess i understand where that's coming from i guess Part of me is just like, why are you making her a contributor when there are so many other people? I don't want to use the word qualified because I'm not saying she's not because I don't know, you know, how talented she is at being a broadcaster. And I guess she can provide a different point of view as a professional athlete's mom. So that is cool. I just I don't know. I don't know why I'm not over the moon about it. I'm pumped about it. Really? The way you just for me, I'm kind of a someone who I appreciate the new voice in things. Yep. And yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But for instance, this is how Annie Apple announced that she was getting this gig. I am beyond excited to be joining the ESPN family and quite honestly, happier than a Kardashian in any NBA locker room. Hashtag blessed. I that. Hilarious. Like, to me, that's fantastic. What do you think, Jordan? But my question is, will she be able to be that just blunt on, on regular air, you know? Yeah. And and my thing is ESPN, I feel like recently has lost a lot of credibility with letting go people and people leaving to go to other networks. And so for me, it's just like, you know, I, we were sitting there in awe today, right after the drill this morning, they had a cafe contest on ESPN. Like it was What's more, that mean? I, I, they were cooking food on ESPN, <laughs> you know? And so for oh, no. me, it's just like, it's ESPN, diluted. Yeah. And and as much as I love Annie Apple, you know, I think she's awesome on, you know, on Twitter and social media. But what about all the people who went to school for journalism? That's you my know? point, Jordan, is like, I don't I don't want to take away from the fact that she does add another element to the show. And she's a completely she's a fresh voice and she has an interesting thing to say and her main role is being the mother of an NFL player now 
But you're right, Jordan. Like, there are so many people that go to school to do this, and she just kind of steps in and takes the reins, and now she's a contributor. So I don't know. I guess we'll... But I think it plays out. it's different to be a contributor than it is a reporter. Absolutely. And so she doesn't absolutely she doesn't necessarily need any background other than her own personality, which I really like her take something. So I probably am more excited than, say, somebody who is sending those nude pictures of themselves over oh, to the no. NFL rookies. Um, but I did wonder this and, and we won't be able to necessarily have an answer, but I can certainly get y'all's opinions. ESPN has that new site, The Undefeated, the basically the new culture site that they're they're really branching out to go away from the one standard site to a site that promotes African American culture. So I wonder if Annie Apple will also then be featured on this website and maybe this is a way to kind of push the website out to a lot of people that maybe wouldn't have necessarily known it exists since it's very new within the last couple of weeks. That's so a that's, good thought. It's I didn't something even know that I wondered. Exists. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, it. Um, they've been working on it, I want to say, for about a year. Their okay. initial editor, they had to let go. And then they just recently launched, really, like I said, in the last couple of weeks with a new editor. And it, they're really hoping that it does well. But, you know, they recently had to let their other site kind of dissipate. Um, what was the name of that one? Grantland? Yeah, Grantland. Thank you. ESPN's Grantland that Bill Simmons was on all the time. So anyway, that's um, that's going to be interesting to watch. Annie Apple and, and all the fun stuff that she says on NFL Countdown on ESPN. Announced today Atlanta has been awarded Super Bowl for the 2019 season, then South Florida for the 2020 Super Bowl, and LA for 2021. Which one are the Jags going to be in? Jordan, go. I'm going to say Miami. Miami. Okay. And by the way, why won't they call it Miami instead of calling it South Florida? I don't Wait, know. They really are? Yeah, they're calling it South Florida in all the publications so far. And I can't quite figure out why, but whatever. Uh, Amanda, which one, one of the Jags zero. is going to be in? Sorry. That's okay. Sorry, the lightning are up. One to zero. Um, I'm going to say L.A. All right, so you're saying we have to wait until 2021 for the Super Bowl. That's right. Which one of those three would you want to either go as a fan or just cover, not knowing which teams would be in? Which city would you want to hit up? Would you want to go home, Jordan? No, not at all. <laughs> I don't want to go to that Atlanta stadium. Uh, you know, the yeah, last time... Won't they have a new one by then? They yeah, will. they will. But the last time, you know, the Super Bowl was in Atlanta, they had the whole murder situation. Oh. So uh, I don't want to return there. Maybe go to L.A. That's okay. what I was thinking. I've never been to L.A. I'd love to go for a Super Bowl. I've been to L.A. The traffic, I can only imagine for the Super Bowl, oh, would be... terrible. Horrifying. Yeah, you're right. I was there years and years ago, and their six lanes each way was basically bumper to bumper oh. at like 4 o'clock on a Thursday. So I think I'm going to choose the South Florida one. And Do then you know I'll what just... traffic is like in Miami? Yeah, but it's not nearly as bad as L.A. I'm going to hop down to the Keys for a few days before Ooh. the Super Bowl, and then I'll spend the extra Super Bowl. I you're already making these plans. Well, of course. I mean, this is... Four years from now. It's not even that far. Yeah, you're right. All right. So Jacksonville itself, Jordan, you've been to a Suns game. Have you gotten to go to any other events, kind of big events in the city? Oh, the players. You got to go to yeah, the players. Yeah, that was my first golf tournament ever. What was that like for awesome. you? That, I mean, it was life-changing, honestly. Uh, I, I mean, just the entire experience. Because one, 
I didn't realize that you could have that big of a party on a golf course. Yep. And Oh, yeah, you can. Two, I didn't realize, honestly, that golf was that fun. I mean, I had such a blast. I got to see the hole-in-one. Um, you know, I, little I, cop. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I got to see, you know, Russell Knox have that epic meltdown. And uh, it was just, a, it was fabulous. Like, I cannot wait. I've already invited my entire family down for next year. <laughs> it, I will tell you, too, and I think most people would share the sentiment, it almost gets better and better with each year that you discover different places to go. It absolutely it's does. like aged whiskey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, yes. Jordan, I'm happy or that fine you... fine wine and cheese. Yeah, that too. I'm happy that you uh, walked around the course and you really took it all in and experienced it because I was in the same boat as you last year, where last year was my first golf tournament ever, and it was also my first week on the job. So because I didn't know anyone or know anything about the course, I only worked, which was a blast. It was so much fun, but I didn't even see the course. So this year was my first time really going around the entire course and being out there all week long. So you'll find next year you'll appreciate it even more. And I will appreciate sunscreen as well. Uh-oh. Yes. <laughs> and uh, wearing flats any days yeah. that you have to wear. That's a mistake I wore. Or I made as well. Yeah. That's okay. You'll learn. You That's live okay. and you learn. All right. So Jacksonville itself prides itself on hosting some really great large events. I mentioned in Crosstalk, the NCAA track meet is this week. This is some people's final chance to be able to see some Olympic future Olympic athletes in person. So before they go down to Rio de Janeiro, you can actually go right in your own backyard on UNF campus and see some, like I said, future Olympic track and field athletes. So that's going on. Tickets are not expensive. You can just show up and pay for those and then go see some amazing athletes. But then also this weekend, Memorial day weekend, of course there's the jazz festival. It's one of only a very few amount of free jazz festivals around the country. We've had this one for 35 years. It's a signature event here in town. So here's when you can go. Friday from 4 to 11. Saturday from 1 to 11. And Sunday from 1 to 10. Music starts on Friday at 5 on Saturday and Sunday at 2 o'clock. There will be 36 artists, several of which are Grammy Award winners and nominees I'm guessing you've probably never been to the jazz festival. Nope. My parents go every year and well, I might just have to hang out with seal. Absolutely. They love, love, love it. So I highly recommend that people go on out the VIP packages, by the way, can't get those. Those are sold out, but there's tons of parking. There's street closures. So that way people will be able to walk around, not have to worry about cars. It's downtown. It's at the, uh, I forget exactly what it's called. Isn't it called Metro Park? Am I losing my mind? Oh, yeah. Um, and then there's a free jazz clinic as well at the Ritz Theater and Museum on Saturday. There's all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, the event used to be at the beach, which that's when my parents um, started going. And then now it's going to be back downtown. There's all sorts of fun stuff. And uh, make sure you head to JacksonvilleJazzFest.com. And then if you go, use hashtag JaxJazzFest or the Twitter handle at JaxJazzFest. Wow, lots of words. Lots of excitement (laughs) going on with the Jazz Festival and, of course, the track meet as well. We have a Peterbrook chocolate heel to give away. So we are going to tell you how to do that next And uh, as well as how competitive are each of us. You're going to find out coming up shortly. You're listening to Hummus and Heels built by Dreamfinders Homes on 1010XL 92.5 FM.
Girls just want to talk football. More helmets and heels. Built by DreamFinders Homes. Presented by Underwood Jewelers and American Window Products. Now on 1010XL, 92.5 FM. Amanda Borges, Lauren Brooks, and Jordan DeArmond here with you. Just a little bit longer, a few more minutes till 8 o'clock when Fat Tony comes on through. Oh, yeah, I said 8 o'clock. I'm losing the time, okay. the track of all time because I'm having so fast. much Welcome fun. Welcome to my life. I understand. <laughs> right, exactly. So, ladies, for some reason today I had this. It was yesterday, actually. I had this question that popped into my mind and I wanted to ask you, ladies, how competitive are you? And when you answer that question, how do you define competitive? Jordan, we'll start with you. I'm pretty competitive. Uh, when I play sorry or a board game with my family, if I start to lose, I probably won't be there for the second round. <laughs> All right. That's a good way to define it. How about in a work environment? Uh, work environment, it's a little different because I'm more of a team player. You know, uh, I definitely want to make sure that I, I do my job and I, I want to be the best at what I do. But I am all about trying to make, you know, the company, the brand, the team better. So it's a little different for work. But, you know, I think competitive so when it comes to sports, though, I I mean, I'm a sore loser. I'll just I'll just put it out there. I'm a yeah. sore loser. I'll, all right. I'll know uh, to either pick you on my team or not to go talk up to against you, you directly. Lose. Yeah. Or talk to you if I beat you. Amanda, what about you? Um, I'm competitive when it comes to my teams, so I have no problem talking smack or like sitting next to my rival and being annoyed. But when it comes to me personally, I've never been good enough at anything to be like, oh, I'm totally going to win this, and if I don't, I'm going to be so pissed. So, but that's more whether or not you talk trash. What about internally? Even- how do you feel when you're going to attempt to do something? I guess it depends what it is. Like I played flag football this past off season. Can I call it my off season? No, it kind of was my off season. Um, anyway, I wanted to win, but I was never so upset when we lost. Like I was like, Oh, well, you know, I had fun. It was whatever. Whereas you probably would have been so upset and like so pissed after the game. But if I was watching Florida state and we lost my whole weekend would be ruined ruined (laughs) ruined i i guess i can break it down into multiple parts i'm extremely competitive in virtually everything that i do and so i almost won't do certain things because i'm too competitive so if jordan says tomorrow hey we're gonna start a dodgeball league you know a 10 10 xl dodgeball league do you want to join in the answer is absolutely not I don't like dodgeball. I don't think I'm very good at dodgeball. I'm also terrified of getting hit in the head with a dodgeball. Yes. Um, but but that's something I'm not passionate about it. And if I don't think I'm going to be good at it, I'm not. I'm interested. right there with you. If I'm not, if I know I'm not good at it, I'm not going to attempt at all because I don't want to feel like I'm not good. So the, the reason that I brought, I thought of it and wanted to bring it up is right now at OTAs around the country, there are guys who are in direct competition with some of their best friends mm-hmm. and not necessarily to where they're trying to beat out their friend for the spot. They may, you know, for instance, let's say let's take the Jaguars running backs, Chris Ivory and TJ Yeldon. They may be wanting to work in tandem to both get better, but they still at the heart of it are in competition to make each other get better. And it just led me to think 
Do you think women in sports, in the sports media industry, are too competitive with each other? Or do you think that there is a good network of women who work in a male-dominated industry that we are able to cheer each other on and encourage each other and help each other? Um, And you're new, so this is a great answer, Jordan and Amanda. You're a year in, so what do you think? I think it, it depends I know for women in sports, it's hard because there are two sides to it. One, we need to all kind of band together because even though it seems like there are a lot, there really aren't that many. Like when I think of in the media industry, it's almost like a like a small club. Like once you're in, like you want to hold on tight and figure out how to get better and how to how to uh, make sure that your teammates are better and things like that. But at the same time, those people that are with you are technically your competition. So you have to have the right state of mind. Like I remember thinking back in college, I probably had the wrong mindset where like some women in my communication classes, I looked at as competition. So I was never mean to them by any means, but instead of maybe going to them for advice or like working together, I was always like, no, I need to do this on my own because she could take a job I'm trying to get after graduation. So it kind of depends, I guess, on your mindset. But now for me, I'm like, hey, like, what do you think about this? Let's chat about this. Cause I noticed you did that and it was fantastic. Let's talk about it. How can I get better? Have you looked at my, you know, you just kind of, you figure out, hey, we're all on the same team here. Like we all need to work together. I think some people think that way. What do you think, Jordan? Well, I, I would have to agree with the main. I think it's a case by case basis, you know, and it, and it, it, differentiates just different women have a different approach on how they want to you know look at their career and look at the women beside them i know i've came into contact with a lot of girls who are you know older than me and have jobs that are established and i reach out to them and they say nothing back to me at all you know and i'm just trying to be like hey i i appreciate what you do i like what you do i want to learn how to do what you do you know do you have any advice and they just say nothing So, you know, the older I've gotten, the more help that I want to give, you know, younger people, whether it's interns or people who just have questions. I'm all about that. But in the same sense, you know, you have to guard your back because some girls are not, you know, I've met both of you. And since I've been here, I feel like I'm a pretty good judge of character. Y'all are great girls and you're not like that. But a lot of girls are. A lot of girls are those cattiness. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to really guard your back. But for the most part. I think, you know, women unite. Hopefully. Girl power. It's important to be able to recognize your own talents and your own strengths and your own weaknesses and to be able to look around and say, okay, I need to work on this part of my game, so to speak. This part of my, whether it's on air or behind the scenes kind of work. And really start to develop relationships with people that can that can make you better and i don't think those mentors always have to be women per se no but hopefully there is enough trust within that community where a samantha ponder can reach out to a holly Rowe, um who's just got out of um, her four weeks of cancer treatments chemotherapy So shout out to her um, and say, hey, I think your interviewing of coaches is spectacular. How do you come up with your questions? Mm-hmm. You know, for instance, mm-hmm. I think that I think at that level that does happen. But I think it's at it's at the smaller levels where there may be much less ease of communication and much more kind of egotistical battling for or jockeying for one's own position. Yeah. 
I think that everything's done differently for different people. Obviously, everyone has their own routine and they have a different way of preparing for their job. So I think it is important to have specific mentors, even ones that maybe you don't look up to, but you know of their work. I think it's interesting to say, hey, I wonder how they prepare for this because I do the same thing, but it's way different. And I just wonder if we prepare the same. But not everyone, Jordan, like you said, not everyone's willing to A, respond, B, reach out, C, even offer advice or say this is what I do because they're fearful that you would steal what they do or take their job one day. I don't know. So or they're insecure with themselves. That that. That is definitely true as well. But I don't know. Sometimes it can be very competitive, which is how we got on this topic. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you have to be able to look at yourself and say, am I competitive in a good way or is my competitiveness almost hurting me? Mm -hmm. Same with with ego. Confidence is an amazing thing, especially for a lot of women to have and something something that a lot of times takes a long time to get to. But if that goes on the other side, if it goes into the cocky territory or the the, you know, super into themselves or super vain territory, then it's it's someone that I think you don't really want to work with. Mm -hmm. And that's hopefully the the best thing that we can see from the women who have made it in the industry is that they are willing to put the effort in and they are not all about themselves. Hopefully that's what people think when they, when they watch them work. All right. One quick question. Is there a good way or a right way to fire someone? I'm going to guess that most people would say in person, Amanda, I'm pretty sure that if you were going to get fired, you'd like to hear it in person. You know, maybe I, maybe I'm wrong, but Freddie (sighs) Gonzalez, found out because he got an email Mm -hmm. not telling him he's fired but telling him that his plane flight was booked (gasps) and so the Braves manager yeah then was the next day called into the office and told he was fired so (laughs) that's one way not to do it but is there even a good way no it's just like just like breaking up with someone. I was someone. just going to say that. Yeah, it's not easy to be the one that says, hey, you don't have your job anymore. And I am the least confrontational person ever. <laughs> like, if you do something that I don't like, I'll just eat it and not never tell you. Because I'm, I don't know why. I guess I'm, I'll never make a good manager. I'm not confrontational. And so I can't approach you and say, hey, just so you know, um, you're fired. Like, do you actually say those words? Or do you dance around? I'm going to have to let you go. Okay. Is, is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Um, I I would almost kind of want an email. I was going to say, <laughs> when I said that out loud that you would want it in person, I was like, no. wait a minute. Actually, she wouldn't. She'd no, be the person that would want like a text message. I'll message. never see you again. Yeah. Just like text me. Hey, don't come in. You're fine. Okay, that sounds fine, good to me. Bye. <laughs> I'll never come back again. I'm so sorry. I used to say that I was non-confrontational and then over life, I've had to learn to be confrontational because you can't get around it. You can't avoid everything. And in the end, what I learned was, oh yeah, it's way better to just have a little confrontation than it is to skirt it for who knows how long, months and years. I've had to swallow certain things and say, Amanda, you just got to put your big girl pants on and go in there and say it. And And I do when I need to and I've done it, but it sucks. Yeah, I think I think the only way to 
I'm not talking properly. about firing people, sure, by the way. Sure. <laughs> I'm talking about put on your big girl I've, pants. I've I've put on my big girl pants to have a not so fun conversation. Is what I meant. Yeah. Well, I think the Braves manager, you know, they haven't won a whole lot of games. Um, I think sure at the time they'd only it. won nine. Yeah. They were playing the Pirates. In fact, I I think that was the night that we were on air last week, and they were getting crushed um, the day that he was fired. But I'm sure he did expect it. However whomever booked that flight and had it sent to his email, that person should have also been fired. That's just rude. I know, right? That is just plain wrong. And uh, that's a wrap, my friend. Is that we, it? Yeah. We, done? we We gotta move on out so we can let Fat Tony come on in. Yeah, I was gonna say, as fun as this has been, I'm really looking forward to going home to watch the Bolts game. I think we're still up one to nothing. Go Bolts! Go, go Lightning! Bolts. I don't really care. Um, even though I'm a Pirates fan, I'm definitely not say, a Penguins fan. Okay. I'm not a Pirate. Funny. I mean, I'm not a Pittsburgh fan, just a Pirates fan. Okay. Jordan, Funny. it's been so fun. It's been a great Tuesday. Absolutely Thanks great Tuesday. Help, All right, we will check in with Fat Tony next on Helmets and Heels, built by Dreamfinders Homes on 10 XL 92.5 FM. Thanks for checking out the podcast for Helmets and Heels. As a friendly reminder, you can always check out the latest on our Twitter feed at Helmets and Heels or on our website at guysgirl.com backslash Helmets and Heels.